following message was given at Emanuel Baptist Church, Coconut Creek, Florida. 2 Corinthians 2, we'll be beginning in verse 14 and reading to chapter 3 and verse 6. Second Corinthians 2, beginning in verse 14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word. But as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Amen. Well, today marks another important milestone of God's glorious grace in the life of Emmanuel Baptist Church, the beginning of a church plant and the commissioning of a church planter. It's a time for celebration before God for the work that he has done and is doing, but it's also a time of reflection, a time of prayer, a time of pleading with God to continue the good work that he has already begun and he has already been doing within his church. And in my own experience, I can tell you that you come here today without the same sense of fear and trepidation that comes along with the heart of a man who's being commissioned to plant a new church. When considering the weight of the calling and the qualifications to be maintained in order to serve in that office, The responsibility before God to keep himself and his family and the church of God, the question on the heart of any truly faithful minister of God is, who is sufficient for these things? In our text, if you read the verses leading up to the passage we just read, you will see that the Apostle Paul provided a brief account of what God has already done through him and his co-laborers. And you can hear that question in everything he writes. Who is sufficient for these things? Now, perhaps on the surface, it sounds like a normal, straightforward thing to do. Go and plant a new church. 
Now, surely new churches spring up all the time. So how difficult can it really be? But you see, starting a faithful biblical church is a whole different kind of work than starting a new business or starting a new school. Planting a new church is a work that seeks to fulfill the calling of the Great Commission to go into all the world, to make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them all that the Lord has commanded. So the task is a task that calls on those who are leading the effort to do the work of an evangelist, to preach the words of life to dead, uninterested souls. It requires becoming all things to all men so that some might be saved. It requires discipling the people of God, teaching them the Bible, shepherding them through the challenges of life, preparing them for their inevitable death. It requires preaching and teaching the word of God and praying for and with the people of God. It requires learning things about real estate and zoning regulations and banking practices and budgeting and sound equipment and music and a whole host of administrative tasks that they don't teach you in seminary. It requires motivating and encouraging a group of volunteers to row together to keep things moving forward even when the tasks before them are sometimes less than desirable. It requires planning for growth meeting with new people all the time, leading the people of God through many and sometimes frequent changes. It requires training and developing new leaders, setting agendas. It requires constant communication. And of course, these and many other tasks are required in addition to a man keeping his own heart onto the Lord and leading his own household in a way that is commendable and worthy of emulation. In the end, it is nothing less than giving sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, raising the dead to new life, and turning stones to flesh. It is a responsibility to give oneself to a work that primarily serves to see men and women and children escape from the darkness of death that they might walk in the newness of life. So who could hear any of that and not say with the Apostle Paul, who is sufficient for these things? The answer, of course, is that in and of ourselves, no one is sufficient for these things. Unlike most other callings in life, the calling to ministry in the local church is not one of putting our hope and confidence in the skills and aptitude of a man but rather the man is brought low, dependent upon God to make use of the gifts that he has already been given in order that these things may be accomplished to the glory of God. And the members of a local church who are calling and appointing ministers have a sense of these works having already been accomplished through those they have called in their midst. Men have had their minds written on by the finger of God, And their stony heart has become a tablet of flesh. And all that has been done by the work of God through faithful men. And we know throughout history that ministers of the gospel have been in the hands of God the means of amazing works of grace, a means of turning the world upside down, a means of saving men from death. But how? 
Where does it come from? What, what was it the gifts of the man or his education or his skills or his talents? Well, Paul writes in verse 5 of chapter 3, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. A faithful minister is a man who looks at what he is called to do and he says, this is impossible. And indeed, it is impossible with man. The most gifted man in the world is insufficient for the task unless he is willing to deny himself and live upon God alone. Any honest minister will see previously cold hearts melted by the warmth of the gospel. He will see marriages restored through the counsel that he gives. He will see God's people comforted as he consoles them as they near their own death. He will see them persevere through tragedy. He will see their interest in the word of God and living a godly, holy life increase as they are sanctified. He is called to be the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. And if a man is humble and a man understands his own limitations, he can draw no other honest conclusion than to say, God did this. Think of who's writing these words. The Apostle Paul. At this point in his ministry, he wasn't a new seminary graduate with wide-eyed ambition. He was a seasoned apostle who has gone through many trials, many near-death experiences. He had planted several churches. He had endured many heartaches and many pains along the road. He preached the gospel. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit to to write letters to the churches and to the ministers of the churches. He had to defend himself repeatedly in the face of harsh criticism and persecution. And yet even he looked at what a minister is called to be and do and said, who is sufficient for these things? Not the Apostle Paul, not Nick Kennecott or Jeff Smith or Robert Dikema or Paul Faris or Grant Costanzo, only God. Ministers of the gospel are not called to be original thinkers or innovative leaders. Ministers of the gospel are called to be faithful to the word of God. And the primary task of preaching and teaching the word of God and praying with and for the people of God Planning a new church is not a startup business that seeks to find new ways of worship or new methods of communication or new ways to attract the world to come through the door. No man is sufficient to establish anything that resembles a faithful biblical church, if not depending upon the thoughts of God, seeking to fulfill the agenda that God has established using only the means that God has provided. Anything else is a futile effort. And any new church that is planted is dead in the water if God's word and God's plans and God's means are not what is the foundation. There's no doubt in my mind that any of us in here could piece something together that would attract a massive amount of people in short order. It is not difficult with the right amount of money and time to attract a crowd. 
It is, however, impossible for anyone to do what God wants done in his church without relying on him alone. It's not difficult. It's not the most difficult thing to do. It's impossible. Anything the church seeks to do through anyone the church deems fit to do it must be done through the word that God has ordained or else it is no church at all. You see what Paul writes there in verses five and six of chapter three. Our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. You see, Paul is reminding the Corinthians that they have experienced the grace of God in their lives through the ministry that has been offered to them. And those here from Emmanuel Baptist Church who have been part of the effort to get things going at the Bethlehem Baptist Fellowship can surely attest to the grace of God being present in their lives through the ministry of Grant Costanzo. Their letters of recommendation are written on their hearts. Through Grant's ministry, God has worked to provide wisdom, to increase love, to solidify unity, to empower the preaching of his word, and to answer prayer. And yet, the work has only just begun. It will only be a work of God through his servants that this work will continue into the future. And as the people of the Bethlehem Baptist Fellowship depend on the sufficiency of God, there should be no doubt that he will send his spirit into the valley of dry bones in West Palm Beach and beyond. And while others might ask, can these dry bones live? Our great and sovereign God will be pleased to say they can and they will. If we get it wrong, we might think it's our job to assemble the bones and give them life, but even with all of our technological advances and medical breakthroughs, no one has ever been able to bring a skeleton to life. But God can, as we proclaim the word of the Lord and the Spirit works in dead hearts to bring all of the new covenant blessings from above. Now briefly, we should consider afresh what the word of God calls any minister to in the work that he set out to do in leading God's people. There's a reason why 80% of men do not continue in ministry beyond their first five years. It's rigorous. It's tiring. It's oftentimes heartbreaking. It can take a toll on a man's health, both physically and mentally. It can bring great difficulty to his own family. God gives some men very peaceful ministries, while others are called to strive faithfully through many tumultuous days. But no matter what each season of ministry looks like for a local church, we have to be reminded that we can rule well when we realize that we aren't sufficient for these things. And so we are in complete and total need of the strength and provision and wisdom of God alone. And so let's think about the specific matter of qualification and a few points of application as we seek to lay hands on our brother Grant. Now, while Grant is being commissioned as a church planner, he is a man, in order to do that, that must meet the qualifications of an elder in the scriptures. In time, when the Bethlehem Baptist Fellowship becomes Bethlehem Baptist Church, 
constituted and self-supporting, if the Lord wills, the people of the church will be tasked with the important responsibility of calling elders and deacons to serve in the leadership of the church. The qualification for those men are found in Titus chapter 1 and 1 Timothy chapter 3. And the first thing required and evident in both passages is that a man must be blameless. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that he's free of sin. There is no such person alive in this world. But rather, he's free from any notable blemish or scandalous offense in his life, and his general conduct of life and his demeanor is that which adorns the gospel of Jesus Christ, by which he has been saved, and he is now called to preach to others. A qualified man is to be a one-woman man, the man of one wife, meaning that he's not married to more than one woman, and then when he is married, his heart and affections and eyes are for his wife only. It's not required that he be married, but if he is, he is fully committed to her in love as he is her protector and provider and leader and closest friend. Any man who is called and set apart for the work of ministry has an important role in his home. Are his children respectful and obedient under his authority and under his direction? Does he lead them with tender affection and care? for not only their external behavior, but more importantly, for the health of their soul? Does he discipline them in a biblical manner, breaking hardened wills without breaking fragile spirits? If a man is unable to keep proper order and direction in his home, how can he be trusted to lead in the household of God? He must be a temperate or gentle man, careful and diligent in his work and duty. The work of church planting especially requires much watching, sober-mindedness, and a temperate life adorned with modesty and moderation. His behavior must be commendable, and he must carry with him a sense of the weight of the importance of his calling. He's not self-willed or proud, violent or quick to be angry, but is a man who is self-controlled in all of his passions. A faithful man will, with meekness and long-suffering, endure with others in instructing and exhorting, and will himself be willing to be taught and exhorted, knowing full well he is a man of weakness and of sin like any other. He will not be given to drunkenness. He will set in himself an example of moderation and care that is to be taken with the gifts of God that are so readily abused. He will not be greedy for much gain, nor be liable to the suspicion that he undertakes the office for selfish gain. He will have an evident love for Christ and an evident love for the souls of men. A good church planter will be hospitable, making his home and his possessions and his own self available in acts of kindness and charity toward the saints and toward unbelievers. He will warmly and joyfully receive others with open arms. He's not quarrelsome or contentious and yet knows how to rightly rebuke and exhort and correct with the word of God in proper season without snuffing out a smoldering wick or breaking a bruised reed. A capable church planner must be well furnished with the knowledge of the mysteries of God 
holding fast to the faithful word that he must teach and preach and counsel by sound doctrine. He should be uniquely gifted to administer the word of God in such a way that it benefits its hearers. For the saint, it offers encouragement and growth and edification in their Christian life. For the non-Christian, it is a clear call to faith and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul instructs those who examine and lay hands on a man for this work that he should not be a Christian who is new to the faith, lest he be puffed up with pride, giving opportunity for temptation that he might fall into the snares of the devil. A rightly ordered church identifies all of these marks within a man who has an earnest desire to serve in the ministry. The man should be examined and put forward to fulfill the office, And when in accordance with the word of God, Christ approves with this choice and the Holy Spirit provides this man with all that he needs to be successful according to God's plan, whatever that may be. Nehemiah Cox said of the minister, and as these gifts, grace, and virtues ought to be in some good degree visible in him before that charge be committed to him, so after his commissioning, It behooves him perpetually to endeavor the giving of a more abundant proof of them in him by a daily increase in their exercise. Grant, may may it be said of us as ministers of God's truth that we are continually endeavoring to be diligent to see our character increasing in Christ-likeness according to the requirements of God's word. A church planter has both public and private duties that he must execute in accordance with God's word if he is to be faithful to this office that he is appointed to. In some respects, the church planter is a middle person between God and the people. Now, don't mistake what I'm saying here. He's not a mediator between God and the church, nor is is he in his own interest putting himself between God and his people. That is reserved for no man on this earth nor angel of heaven. That is the work of the God-man, our Savior, Jesus Christ, alone. However, in two ways, a minister of God's word is a sort of middle person. First, he is to be the mouth of the people unto God in the exercise of the gifts and graces that Christ has furnished him with in conceiving and pouring out the public prayers of God's people to the Most High God. And so when we pray corporately in the confession of sin, in our giving of thanks, in petition for all of our concerns, the minister is appointed to be the mouth of the people before God. He is also to be the mouth of God to the people of God, to deliver the message of God, to speak in the name of the Lord. It is the work and business of anyone who stands before the people of God to preach the word, to be instant in season and out of season, to reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Ministers are ambassadors of God unto men who are to dispense the mysteries of God to his church being diligent to approve themselves workmen that need not be ashamed by rightly dividing the word of God. Woe to any man who takes upon himself this solemn office and preaches not the gospel of Christ 
which is the pure spiritual food for the souls of God's people that we must be fed with continually. And so grant with regard to your private and public duties. I want to charge you in these ways. Let your primary care be to deal with the souls and consciences of men and women and children in your care, knowing that it is the salvation of souls which you are to labor after and a care of the souls of saints committed to you. You will make an account of all of them before the Lord. It is not your business to gratify the itching ears or desire of entertainment in carnal men, but to speak to their hearts, and as Paul writes, to renounce disgraceful, underhanded ways, to refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by open statement of truth, commend yourself to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Lay before God's people all the pains you've taken in your preparations, plainly explaining to them the mysteries of God and the principles of the faith that they may be convicted and encouraged by the word of God that you will rightly call them to apply in specific and also diverse ways. Rightly use the law of God to press in on his people in their particular duties, to warn them of the tactics of Satan, to rebuke them in their error, to comfort the afflicted and brokenhearted, and then remind them even more often of the gospel, which is our daily source of encouragement and life, that we might walk in the righteousness of Christ and not in the flesh." The primary calling of a true minister of God is to assist the people of God in living on the righteousness of Christ and not our own. If we can direct God's people and see evidence of their living upon Christ's righteousness instead of their own righteousness, we are fulfilling the calling that God has truly given to us. Make sure that all that you speak to the people of God is from the pure fountain of God's word. Nothing less than the divine authority of God's word will work in the souls of men. It is sufficient in every way for all of life and all godliness. And remember, it's not enough that what you say is true. You must show it to be true with strong and convincing proof from the scriptures. Always remember, the word of God is sacred and it must be handled with utmost care and respect and reverence. Now, related to this previous exhortation, remember always that your duty is not to preach yourself, but to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. His glory must be the mark and aim of all your labors. His grace, the principal subject of all of your aim to communicate. It is his name that saves. It is his name that is a fragrant, beautiful perfume that anoints all true Christian practices. In your preaching, in your prayers, in your counsel, let Christ be the beginning, the middle, and the end of all that you have to say, or don't say it at all. In him alone are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and in him is all true comfort and holiness. Do the work of an evangelist. Church planting is just as much about outreach and evangelism as it is about preaching and teaching and counseling and praying. You are to be the primary evangelist among the people of the Bethlehem Baptist Fellowship. Your evangelism will set the pace and the tone of the work. 
we have no desire to plant a new church for the sake of providing a more convenient location to meet for those who live further away from Emmanuel Baptist Church. If that was our only goal, we have really aimed low, and that mark is not a mark worth hitting. Church planting is like any other missions effort. It is an effort to be the kind of church that God will be pleased to use in his purposes to seek and save the lost. Remember, the apostle Paul asked, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? You, dear brother, are being sent so that they may call, that they may believe, that they may hear. You know, it's a popular thing often for ministers of conservative churches to say things like, numbers don't matter. We shouldn't pay any attention to numbers. But if you're really concerned about the souls of the people in your community, you will care about numbers. You will care about these numbers. Less than 18% of Americans attend, attend church regularly. Over 150 million of our fellow citizens have never attended a church for any reason. Most church plants see nearly 70% of the people who start with the church plant move away from those efforts within the first five years. And 70 to 80% of the growth in a new church plant is through the conversion of new Christians. Now tell me that the calling is not about doing the work of an evangelist. Tell me that numbers don't matter. Not for the sake of having a bigger church for some vain reason, but because you want to know more and more and more people are having a saving encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. We should all want to have faithful churches all around the world that are packed to capacity because people want to hear what God has to say to them. Don't settle for 10 or 20 new souls. We want all of South Florida. We want all of America. We want the whole world for Christ, and that happens when we are faithful to do the work of an evangelist. And part of that, brother, is that you keep a close eye on the state of the souls within your care. The people who make up Bethlehem Baptist Fellowship are your primary responsibility now. They are to be your focus. They are to be the beneficiaries of your time and your effort. And they are the ones for whom you will pray and labor for most diligently. You will be engaged in other ministry endeavors in time. However, the people that will sit before you each and every Lord's Day are to be your most precious duty of which no other calling stands in your way. In the words of the Apostle Paul, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. And you must, at all costs, tend to the proper care of your soul and the souls of those within your home. Being a church planter does not exempt a man from his duties as a husband and as a father. Rather, it really highlights them as being all the more important that the church of God might be rightly led. Knowing that in your work you will have many demands upon your time and your energy, and if you are not caring for your soul and the souls within your home, you will quickly burn out and you will quickly grow discouraged. 
Those who tend to the work of Christ should expect his gracious presence and his assistance in all the difficulties that come. We have the promise of his word that he will always be with us even to the end of the age. His grace is sufficient in all that we labor for. And so let us constantly seek the power from heaven that comes to earth through his men by his gracious hand. And lastly, brother, you are being appointed to these duties concerned with the eternal souls of mankind. You will encounter much in the way of spiritual warfare. You are taking on a difficult, sometimes heartbreaking work. Through all the pain, through the sleepless nights, through the sometimes thankless days and efforts, you will consider giving up. You will consider whether or not it's worth it. You will think that there's more comfort and ease to be found elsewhere, and you will be right. It's true, there are easier, there are more lucrative, there are more comfortable paths to take. But as an older man in ministry told me when I was just starting out 17 years ago, the benefits are out of this world. You are being called to pour yourself out like a drink offering for the people of God. And as difficult as it will be, and as insufficient as any of us are, there's nothing quite like it in the world. You are doing the work of heaven. And so when you're called to come and die to yourself for the sake of others, you can say with the Apostle Paul, for to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And so on behalf of the elders and members of Emmanuel Baptist Church, we want all of you who are leaving us to establish Bethlehem Baptist Fellowship to know that you have our greatest love, our constant prayers, and all of the time and resources that we can provide whenever you are in need. We will continue journeying together in this work for the good of God's people in West Palm Beach and beyond. We love you all very much. We look forward to many fruitful years of faithful ministry together so long as the Lord tarries in our lifetimes. And we must all remember together, we are not sufficient. There is no doubt about that. But God is more than sufficient in all of these things many times over. The great Baptist missionary William Carey once preached a message in which his main statement was, expect great things, attempt great things. And brothers and sisters, in planting a new church and commissioning Grant Costanzo, Costanzo to this work as a church planter, we are attempting a great thing. And so we should expect great things because we serve a great God. And so whether the Bethlehem Baptist Fellowship lasts for two years or two millennia is up to God, but we have to be faithful. We must be faithful. The world needs Christ, and that is exactly what we need to give them. Every opportunity that we have. So let us all lay aside any notion that we can do this. We cannot, but God can. And so let us be constant in prayer that indeed he will for his glory and for the fame of his name to all the nations. May it all be to the glory of God alone because he is worthy and the work is worth it. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for your word and for the important reminder 
that truly no man is sufficient for these things. No group of people is sufficient for these things. Indeed, if even the greatest Christians that have ever lived all came together at one time in one place to establish a new church, they would not be sufficient for these things. It is only you. It is only you by your work, by your empowering, by your spirit, by your word, and by the, the truth of Christ being proclaimed that anything that we are seeking to do would be done in a way that it would be successful in rescuing the souls of men and women and children from the darkness of sin and death that they might walk in the newness of life and be sanctified to be godly, to be holy, and to live fully and completely upon the righteousness of Christ alone. And so, Lord, we pray that you would do this work because there's no other way that it could be done. We pray for your blessing upon Grant and his family. We pray for your blessing upon all of the people who will be going to establish this work. And we pray, oh God, we pray that even this very day that you begin calling together the people of the West Palm Beach area and beyond who will gather with the Bethlehem Baptist Fellowship and that week after week after week we could see new people coming to Christ. We can see conversions beyond our wildest expectations because you have promised that you have a people out there and as they hear the gospel we pray, O oh God, that you would send your spirit and give them new life and that they would unite themselves with the people of God, and that you would take their small acorns of faith and grow them into massive oak trees, and that they would be the next generation of faithful believers who are proclaiming the truth of the gospel and doing the work of an evangelist, that more and more people would come to know Christ. And so, Lord, we pray in this our first, and we pray, our first of many efforts to plant a new church that you would be pleased to bless it. Because we, we want, in the name of Christ, to take all of South Florida and all of America and all of the world for Christ. And we pray, God, that you would give us all that is necessary to do so, that you would be glorified because you are worthy. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were edified by this message. For additional sermons, as well as information on giving to the ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church and on our current building project, you can visit us online at ebcfl.org. That's ebcfl.org dot o-r-g